Uh, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. I'm your host, Russ Thornton. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by uh, Joe Casey. Joe uh, comes to us from Retirement Wisdom. So welcome, Joe. Thanks, Russ. Great to be here. Yeah, well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad to have this conversation with you and, and happy we can share it with our, our listeners. Why don't, you, why don't you begin by just telling us a little bit about who you are and the work that you do? Sure. So I'm a former some would say reformed HR person. I worked at Merrill Lynch 26 years and then became an executive coach in 2009. And about halfway through that chapter in my career, people started asking me, hey, can you help me figure out what to do because I want to retire early? I don't want to be here when I'm 55, don't want to be here when I'm 60. I started looking into it. So I built a second coaching practice. So I do both now executive coaching and retirement coaching to help people figure out what to do next after they graduate from the world of full-time work. It's a phrase I picked up from uh, an author, Barbara O'Neill, wrote a book called Flipping a Switch. And I think it really captures most of my clients. They're looking to graduate to this new life and it may include some work, but they're moving out of the corporate realm or their profession. Yeah, I uh, well, thanks for sharing that. I like, I like the terminology around graduating from full-time work. Um, and I was reviewing your website ahead of this conversation, Joe, and I saw that the kind of the subtitle to retirement wisdom is to retire smarter. So um, I'd love it if you could just take uh, maybe a moment or two and share kind of your perspective on what what it means to retire smarter uh, based on your own experiences, as well as the coaching work that you've done with with folks, both both in an executive setting and, and then more specifically around retirement. Sure. I appreciate that. So for me, it's about balance in, in two ways. First, balancing your planning about this next phase of life with the financial planning you do on retirement, but also thinking about how you're gonna invest your time. Because when you think about it, the financial assets and time assets are both precious resources. You can usually figure out some way to make more money, but we can't figure out how to make more time. So really helping people think through, how do you really wanna invest it? Because there are some disappointing survey results that show that a lot of people default to screens. The amount of time that people spend in the retirement years watching TV and, and other screens is eye-popping. It's a you know, very high percentage of, of time. And I don't think that's what most people had in mind when they think about moving on from the world of full-time work. Second area of balance is I think that the work that you do in financial planning is left brain oriented. It's logical. It's linear. It's scientific in a way. You've really got to really be solid in that way and use the left brain approach. The work I do in, in helping people plan for how they're going to invest their time is right brain. And I think you need both. The right brain part's much more uh, creative, much more about looking at, uh, at the future in a different way. And I think complementing one with the other really works well. One of my favorite quotes, I've read a book last year by an author by the name of Brian David Johnson. He wrote a book called The Future You. He was Intel's first uh, futurist. And the book is about taking the techniques he uses as a futurist consulting with governments and corporations and the military and applying them to life. And he had a great quote about retirement. So the most important asset and the most underutilized in retirement planning is imagination. And that's what that right brain part gets into is imagining what different futures could be like and what's going to be the best pathway for you going forward. And that's what I help people do. Interesting. Could you... Could you give us maybe a little bit more of a practical example, Joe, of how you help uh, people think about 
balance and how they're going to spend their time in retirement. I think it's, I think it's super important that you're helping people address this. And I agree that it's, it's, um, it does not get the time and attention that it certainly deserves in the financial planning uh, industry and, and, and basically retirement planning at large. Um, could you give us maybe a little bit more specific idea if someone's sitting down with you and says, Hey, Joe, I'd love your help on, um, you know, get some retirement coaching to think about, you know, graduating from full-time work. Um, could you give us maybe a, a, a specific example or a practical example of how that uh, conversation would actually go, or, or maybe give us a taste of maybe one or more of uh, the exercises or tools that you maybe bring to the table? Sure, absolutely. So I'm trained as a coach in a lot of different approaches and disciplines. And I did that intentionally because I started to study the great coaches we used in my uh, corporate career. And I was curious about what made the great ones great and the average ones average. And what I discovered was the ones who really were very effective had a range of tools and they were able to apply them in the situation for each client. And the, one of the things I'm trained in that I use for retirement planning, not exclusively, but, but it's very helpful, is an approach called Design Your Life. It was developed by two people at Stanford, Dave Evans and Bill Burnett. Bill Burnett runs the design school. Dave Evans uh, teaches there, but he's, he's also, and they both have had industry experience. They both were early Apple employees. Evans ran Electronic Arts. So he once said to me, uh, if your teenagers are addicted to video games, blame him. But uh, they, they basically took the principles of design thinking and applied it to life planning. And I'm one of the few people that are trained that are using it for retirement. Uh, that'll change over time. But what it does, to answer your question, is it ultimately helps us collaborate on designing three alternative visions of your future over the next five years. And why is that important? Because for everyone, it's very different. What's going to be a great next five years for you or me could be different. What's it going to be like for someone listening could be completely different. So what are your priorities and how do you really make it make it happen? And the way to do that is really by doing some creative brainstorming. They have a technique called mind mapping, where you really do some uh, ideation, idea generation around the things that are most important to you and what could be. But it's rooted in what really your values are and what matters most to you and where you are at this stage of life. There's a dashboard we start off with, taking a look at how full are your gauges in four areas of life, your relationships, your work. You say, what does that have to do with it? I'm retiring. But most people want to keep working the mix to some degree. I had a client, new client today who's 76, an expert in his field. And he wants to keep working uh, in some, some new, new redesign way. And that's not uncommon. So it looks at relationships. It looks at uh, work. It looks at health, how you're feeling about health. And then finally, it looks at how you feel about play, the fun aspect of life, which sometimes we really neglect when we're on that grindstone of making a living. And then we flip it forward and say, where do you want to be five years from now? Well, how will these gauges, think of a gas tank gauge, how will they look five years from now? And usually what happens is the low ones for people are play and to some degree health, meaning they want to get in better shape. They want to do the things for their health that they always wanted to do. Those are the two there. The play ones are very low. And, and that's something that now people have time to explore. But where do you begin? And we begin looking at uh, things that they always wanted to do, but never had time on the leisure side. The people who want to play golf all the time don't need me. They don't come to me. Uh, they think what I do is, is humorous and, and amusing. Uh, but uh, I think they discover you know, golf and CNBC uh, are ha good for some people, but not for, for, for most. 
And we start there with where people are. We then do this mind mapping type of thing based on values. And then we get into really designing what the future looks like over five-year period of time in all aspects of your life. And then we evaluate each of those three paths. How do you feel about it? How excited are you? What resources will it take? And how do you feel about that to pull it off? And then how does it literally sync up with your 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 uh, values? Like how, how in sync is it with, with what you're all about and how coherent it is? And those three paths are very different. The first one is what usually a client comes to me with what they're thinking about doing. I want to start a business or I want to uh, write a book. I want to uh, have a portfolio, which is what most people do that I work with, of activities. And then we look at a second one. What would happen if you can't do that for any reason? What else could you do? That's where it takes some work. People are like, well, I only have one plan. So we work on plan B. And third one's a lot of fun. It's called the wild card. And that's if there were no constraints at all, financial, geographic, uh, your family's desires or interests, if you could do anything, completely anything, what would it be? And I haven't had anyone do that plan 100%. And the authors have told me that only 5% of the people they worked with have, have really followed those paths. But what I've seen it do is it gives you new ideas, expand your thinking. So what people come out of this with is broader possibilities, some different ideas to start to work with. And then I know it's a long answer. We then move into the next phase, which is prototyping, which is really where the, the magic happens. And that's identifying people you can talk with, some in your network and others who you don't know, who are doing what you might want to do next. So let's take the person who said, yeah, I always really want to write a book. I've had someone do that. Well, who are people that you know have written books or who have who are some authors who you can reach out to? And those conversations aren't about you, they're about them. 30 minutes, how they, what do they like about what do they do? How do they get started? What do I need to know about it? And I've had some people discover that what they thought they wanted to do wasn't so good. It was different. The path was harder. And they chose a different different, uh, different route. I had one actually just reach out to me recently. And, and she had decided to take a different path. And said it was the best decision she ever made that comes with that. So it's, a, it's about a three to six month process, depending on the person. And we go through that. And after the prototyping, people start to make that happen and implement it. But you're doing it from a much better informed place. You've talked to a lot of people, you've got a real sense of what it takes and you've got, you've got a clear idea of where you want to do. Yeah. I, so I appreciate you sharing that level of detail. I, the thing that comes to mind for me is uh, around prototyping is, is kind of uh, uh, for lack of a better word, testing an idea. Um, and I guess an example that I can relate to is like, I have a lot of people say, well, yeah, I want to I'm getting close to retirement. I want to buy a second home at the beach or the mountains or whatever. And something I always often tell them, well, have you ever spent more than a couple of weeks in that location? You should go, you know, spend maybe six or eight weeks there to see if you really like being there for more than just a couple of weeks at a time to, to again, kind of test the idea in a low stakes, low commitment way. Um, so I really like the idea of prototyping and, and again, my terminology, testing some of the ideas or some of the things that people think they might want to do before they go jump in with both feet and then find out, holy crap, I, I didn't know this was what was involved or this is not what I thought it was, like you, like you mentioned. Um, so I, I think that's fantastic. No, it's a great point because, as, as you know, when all of a sudden you go to that uh, beach house and it's off season, it's a different feel. No kidding. So, so I'm curious, Joe, are you... When you're doing the retirement coaching and introducing, say, the designing your life 
tools and exercises and process? Are you typically dealing with, um, in, in the example of a married couple, are you typically working one, with one person or are you working with uh, both spouses or does it just depend on the circumstances? Sure. So it comes up in a couple of ways. I do work with some couples. I'm not a marriage counselor. My only qualification has been married 41 years because I married the right person. So <laughs> I bring that to the table. But uh, I have worked with people together. More commonly, though, my clients work individually with me and then involve their spouse or partner on their own, which I like because here, here's why I think that that's effective. Both can work. But if someone individually takes the time to start to get a sense of their path, their direction, what their values are, they're better prepared to engage with their spouse or partner. And my big advice then is make sure you're doing it in listening mode, not sales mode. You're not selling them on your dream, on your path. You really say, let me share this. What do you think? And really getting them engaged. I've had some clients take the exercises that I mentioned, like the mind mapping, and do that with their spouse or partner. And that's been, been very, very helpful. And it's important, as you know, in the work you do, because there was a fidelity study that asked couples, when is your spouse going to retire? And the majority did not get it right. So it's one of these topics that, that isn't talked about enough. And people are sometimes at different stages of life and priorities different. But the conversations, it gives a framework for conversations that can help gain some clarity. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So. I guess kind of a related question, um, and I, I think you've started to address this, but from your perspective, Joe, what, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you help people address through your coaching work? Um, and let me let me clarify that by saying, um, I think a lot of people maybe come to you or maybe come to me um, thinking they need to focus on this, but in fact, there are some more, there's maybe some more kind of first principles or foundational thinking or uh, awareness they need to work on. So I'm just curious from your perspective, what would you say is the biggest challenge you help people address or solve? Sure. What I observe is it's slightly different for men than for women, not to generalize, because that's always dangerous. But men come to me, and I've, I was very surprised at this by this at first, and I shouldn't have been. But they will often say, it happened this morning, again. So I'm really afraid. They start talking about their fears. And they said, quickly followed by, I've never talked to anyone about this before. And so there's value in putting that on the table, there's value in talking that through, there's value in naming them. And I'm pretty direct, so I just always ask them, well, afraid of what? And the things that come up are, I'm afraid I'll be bored because I've had an interesting career. Afraid I won't be relevant, getting to the status, they're going to change for a different position. And I'm afraid that a lot of my social contacts really come from my work relationships. And I'm really, I've seen people who once they leave, they're out of the loop. So I'm afraid I'll be, I'll be lonely. With my women clients, it's a little different. They're, well, as we know, uh, being married, you know, they're a lot smarter than we are generally. And I mean that, but in particular, uh, they've built social networks in different ways than sometimes uh, people, career-oriented men are not even career-oriented women. Have you know, They've got more multidimensional social context, so that's not as much of an issue. What I tend to help both, uh, both genders with is, is dealing with the fear of uncertainty. And clearly, back in the financial side of things, can, people can develop a sense of certainty. On this side, it's trying to take what is very gray and uncertain in contrast to what their life has been up until this point, in, in, from a direction and starting to add some certainty through doing experiments. Try this, test this, 
explore this and they start to see, oh, I can see now a path. I can see maybe this. That's not right for me, but this might be. And so I think it starts to it starts to take initial ideas, test them, refine them, and make them real. Yeah. Well, again, back to testing ideas, which I, I think is a, gr- a great way to challenge some of people's ideas or preconceived notions or assumptions. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's fantastic. So I'm curious, Joe, how how do your clients find you? I'm sure it's word of mouth and things like that, but um, but maybe even more to the point, like who who is a who's a great client for you? Like like who do you find yourself uh, typically working with, and and where do you find the opportunity to do the the most meaningful work? Sure, that's a great question. So the biggest thing are people who are retiring quote unquote, but they're not done yet, meaning they want to do something else with the rest of their life, but they don't exactly know what. They've got some idea. I think I might want to do this, might do that. I have one client who said, I need help narrowing it down because I have so many ideas. He was 75 and selling his business. He said, I've got big plans for the next uh, 10 years, but I don't know which one's the right one to really double down on. So I think just people, and they don't have to do anything my clients don't always do grand things. Some do, but they're looking for to unlock the combination of what's going to be the right lifestyle for me now, where I've put so much into work, so much into family. Now I've got this time, this gift of time, this freedom, and I want to be able to, to make it work. Uh, clients find me through uh, primarily through our podcast, uh, our website, and also through referrals. That's the, the biggest thing you might, might respect. And some financial advisors and CFPs who work with clients and uh, will recommend recommend this because they know the importance of it, but that's not their specialty in helping them. So it's really people who want to do some work. It's not it's not work like full time career work, but it's it's reflective work. They want open minded. They're willing to work with a within a structured process, and they're willing to they're willing to experiment and explore. Uh, but they're looking to find that what's that right combination of things. Uh, for me to do? How am I going to really use that time? Yeah. And I, I don't want to gloss over the fact that you mentioned your podcast, which I'm a big fan of, and, and you were kind enough to invite me to, to join you on an episode here not too long ago. So we'll be be sure to include links to the podcast and the website and everything in the show notes for this episode. It was, it was great. It was great to have you on. And that's why I was hesitating because I didn't want to you know, be the guy who comes on and promotes his podcast. That wasn't my goal. <laughs> but, but that's that's truly the, that's where people, people, people come in yeah. often. Uh, but, and, and some people really get what they need from the different guests like yourself who come on. And I've had uh, some people say, look, it's like a you know, free retirement school on the non-financial side. Uh, so it's, it's a, trying to be resource people, but it's really people who want to say, look, I'm willing to spend some time every other week, uh, for three to six months investing in my own future. Yeah. That's really, that's really the ideal client. Professionally, they come from different places. I have. A uh, fair split between, I'd say it's probably 60% men, 40% women. I have people who come out of uh, entrepreneurship. They're selling a business. I have people come out of the corporate world. That's my background. I have people who are professionals like doctors and lawyers. And there are some specific challenges I've noticed with them, in particular about the experimentation, because they're so good at what they do and they're often so specialized that one of the challenges they face is, trying something new and not being good at something because they haven't had that experience, some might say ever, but for quite, a, it's quite some time. And they're just not used to not being good at something. When you try something new, you're not gonna be good for a while. So that's that's a particular challenge 
for them that, that we work on uh, to get them to open some new doors and things both professionally and, and in terms of leisure. Uh, some you know, golf's not it for, for, for everyone. And so they, they started to get involved in some new things, try some things differently, but they really needed, needed some, some help in, in letting go of that, uh, that mindset that's been there for so long. Yeah. That's interesting about the doctors. I hadn't thought of, I hadn't made that connection, but I, I, I can see how that might be a humbling, humbling experience for, uh, for some of them have, that have, you know, spent so much time going through school and practicing their craft. Um, yes. Over, and and so I had to learn that because, because for me as a former HR person, as you know, in HR, and we unknowingly worked at the same company, uh, as HR people, we're good at one thing and that's saying no. So, uh, so I'm, 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 it's easier for me to try new things and not be good at them. Uh, but it was a real challenge for them. But it does, it does, it does open some new new pathways once they they get used to it. The other thing that I see with clients generally, and again, we've had people come from all professions, is this issue of whenever you make a change like this, there's gains like freedom, and there's losses like structure and status and the things we get from work beyond the paycheck. And so it helps to get people to name those, label those, and think about, well, which of those are important to you that you want to replace in a different way now? And those who want to work in some way, usually part-time consulting or volunteer type activities, we spend a lot of time thinking about what are your core skills and how can you repurpose them? Some want to do some things nonprofit, some want to do things in terms of small business, et cetera. And there's a lot of value to them in, in thinking, oh yeah, that's right. I could do, I could, this particular ability can be leveraged here, there, and elsewhere. Because sometimes, you know, the organization they work for didn't really have any use for their talent any longer because things change, or they decided it's time to move on. But it doesn't mean that as human capital, you know, our expiration dates there. There's still a lot more we can do. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, either thinking about maybe someone you're working with now or someone that you've worked with in the past, say, three, six, 12 months, is there a, is there a favorite client story that comes to mind uh, where you've been able to, you know, help someone kind of have one of those light bulb moments or just really kind of, um, for lack of a better description, get out of their own way and, and really see a, a clear path forward as far as retirement planning goes? Sure. So I'll bring up one. In particular, there's, there's a number of them, but I'll bring up a woman that I work with who was heading down a particular path. So she had a senior executive position at a company and was retiring at 62. And she had worked every day of her life since she was 15. So she had done well financially. So that wasn't the issue. But she said, I really am uncomfortable with not having a paycheck, even though that's not my day to day concern. And she had, before she came to me, she had committed to go to a uh, prestigious university on a particular program, a year-long program across the country. And as we went through that prototyping process, one of the things that she ended up doing was interviewing five people who had been through the program. And what she discovered was it wasn't really what she thought it was for her in terms of what the outcome would be. So she decided to, to do a completely different path. And she created a portfolio of activities, which I mentioned most of my clients do. They end up having a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Some things take on more of a focus as you go at the time, they're going to get more serious and focus on. But they start off with three or four things that they're engaged in. And some like that for, for quite some time. 
And in her case, she was able to put together a combination of some work consulting opportunities to create a new business, some leisure activities, some things she was doing for good to help others, and some things she was doing for, for interest in terms of going back to school. She was had been interested in, in art, so she took classes in that area. And it was a combination of things that was in direct contrast to what she was going to do, which is a year-long full immersion on something that turned out wasn't going to be there. So I think the principles of that, that story are have an idea, but then test it, experiment, find out more, and be looking at the idea. You don't have to have the answer day one, year one. You can run some experiments, try some things, and one might emerge. I often talk about that because there's a lot in the press and even on our website about purpose. What's my new purpose? And what I've discovered with that is that overwhelms people. It sounds pretty, pretty challenging. What's my new purpose? And you can't, I looked online, you can't get it at Amazon. It's one of the few things. But you can buy lots of books on it, which I've done. But I've I've found that most of my clients end up really living a multi-purpose retirement. And then over time, sometimes one will take hold and, and garner more of their attention. But we're usually more than one thing. We usually have more than one interest. So I think I think the idea of a multi-purpose retirement is is one that uh, that I'd recommend people consider. Yeah, I love that idea. And, and again, uh, again, we come back to this idea of experimenting and testing and prototyping, and um, just the value in that. So I, I think that's uh, I think if our listeners take anything else away from our conversation, they'll they'll hopefully really take that one to heart. So I think that's a I think that's a great idea, and certainly applicable into in retirement planning, whether on the financial or the maybe the less financial on the right brain side of things. Yes, absolutely. You don't have to have the, have the full answer. You've got to really stay flexible. And things emerge. We learn most as, as adults through what we do and through experience. So people tell me that when once they get engaged in something, and, and the other principle I've learned is, is, is start small. Don't, as you had said, don't necessarily jump in too early where you don't really fully know. Start small, get engaged. But people tell me once you're out there and you get engaged in some things, they find it very energizing. Not everything works out to be exactly what they thought, but usually some things do. And they start to build new connections, new interests, and new things. I mentioned lawyers. I've worked with some lawyers. And one in particular came to mind. He was, at the time, 65 and was retiring in six months. And I was referred to him by his wife, who called me and said, my husband doesn't know it yet, but he needs you. And she said, she was not going to love this idea of working with a coach. And she was right. <laughs> it was not. Uh, but uh, we we got a, had a very good, good working relationship because he was also one who confessed, look, I'm really afraid of this. I put all my energies into work. And I really think I'm going to be bored because I don't have any outside interest. Zero. Yeah. And I thought, how could that be? <laughs> so much to be interested. But he was right. He did so what I did with him, I learned and it helped me grow as a coach because I was thinking future. I was thinking focused. I had to take him back first. So we literally went back through every decade of his life. What were you interested in then? And different things started to emerge. I said, well, actually, I said, you weren't always a lawyer, right? What did you do before that? And different things started to pop up. And, and he actually ended up doing some of them again. Well, the first things he did, because he was a very smart man, is he brought back date night, something he used to do and had gone away from it, brought that back, and that, that worked. But he also discovered he one of the things he really had enjoyed was reading to his child and his son when he's little, who was now grown. 
and he got involved in in a program, a literacy program, reading to underprivileged inner city youth, which was something that that he really liked. But he got involved in a lot of his reading interests, uh, exercise things that he had been involved in earlier. So sometimes going back is helpful to go forward. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, and I I think it's I think there's so much interesting. Um, soil to till here, like around, I know you've talked about purpose, but the word that comes to mind for me is identity. Like so much people have so, so many people, especially men, I think, but so many people have so much identity tied up in their work that, um, as you mentioned, some of them admitted like fear, um, around like giving that up and, you know, what am I going to be worth or who am I going to be? Um, and, and I think that probably compounds the challenges around finding what is your purpose or what, are, what are your pur- purposes once you're no longer working full time? So, Super, super interesting. Yeah, great topic on identity in terms of who am I going to be now? And some of the things that we you know, see ourselves, lenses that we see ourselves through, you discover sometimes no one really cared anyway. <laughs> and and pe- people don't I mean people don't care about who you used to be. People care about who you're now. What are you doing? Right. And I found that people who talk in the present tense about what they're doing really have an easier time than those who talk about, well, I used to do this or I used to be that or I used to work here. It's the transition you got to go through, but once you start talking about the present tense of what you're engaged in, you're a more interesting person, and it's it's you know, I think a better place better place to be. Well, I I I also an idea that comes to mind is self offering uh, self uh, self authoring and having agency and being um, more deliberate um, because at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 up to you, it's up to me how we choose to live our lives, um, and I think maybe stepping out of the full-time work where, whether it has some degree of structure, I think a lot of people just feel kind of unmoored or um, rudderless and aren't really sure how to navigate that. So I can absolutely see the value that you bring to that, you know, to that transition process. And that self-authoring term you use is a great one because if you think about it, it comes down to that. What's the story from here? You decide to retire or you have to retire either scenario. So now what? What what are what's that story going to be from from here going forward? And and to, to have that 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 mindset is is very very powerful and very very helpful. Yeah. And and as you know in writing, there are first drafts and there are revised drafts. So same concepts apply. Yeah. But start writing the next chapter of the new story. Yeah, absolutely. So um so this is Women's Retirement Radio, um and so we like to bring everything we do back to the um idea of women uh, in retirement specifically. So I'm curious, Joe, from your perspective, um, what do you see as the biggest challenge or challenges facing women specifically as they're preparing for and transitioning into retirement? I think there's one that, that, that really is important on both sides of the retirement planning equation, and that's longevity. They're looking at a statistically you know, longer lifespan. So making sure that they've got the financial resources so they won't outlive the money is key. And also that they've got health practices, fitness practices, engagement uh, intellectually and socially in things that are going to help them over the longer haul. Not that we men won't live uh, longer than perhaps we had anticipated or previous generations, we will. But I think with women, that seems to be underscored and more top of mind. So really making sure that they're they're focusing focusing on that, the second thing that I see is shifting gears for many. And again, this is where I hesitate. I don't want to overgeneralize, but I do see it in my clients. 
shifting the mindset from I had to sacrifice and put the needs of others first and take care of people from a family standpoint to now shifting to it's my time. And really looking at what do I want to do with these next years? And what are the things most important to me? Not abandoning any of those other things, uh, which are taking shape, but but I think for many women, it's it's really the the mindset shift of, okay, really taking full ownership and use the term agency around, I can make this whatever I want. What is it really that I want to do and exploring new ideas there? Yeah. Yeah. Both, yeah. Both great and important points. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that. As we start to wrap up, Joe, I'm, I always ask my guests, um, I'm imagining you're a busy guy with your work and your family and, and things like that. But uh, if you've got an hour or two to yourself, how do you, how do you most enjoy spending, uh, spending your free time? So it's a combination of things for me. It's, and I sometimes do them simultaneously. That's, that's all I'll answer it that way. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a former runner. I got injured in 2016. I, uh, my, old, my goal in life uh, growing up in Boston was to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I did in 2014, but I got injured. And I uh, got injured in the marathon with a half mile to go. Oh, no. uh, so, so after 13, 12 races to qualify, finally got there. Uh, having said that, though, I've been able to keep, keep running because I have a running machine called the Zero Runner. And I will combine that with reading, which I like to do, or watching sports, which I like to do. So I'll, I'll combine that. I'll do that tonight. I'll run for an hour, watch something, and uh, uh, and, and read some, some, something. Not all three at the same time, but but I'll, I'll, I'll switch on and off. So uh, if you force me to wander, it would be something exercise-driven uh, while I'm doing something something else. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, I, think, I think you had told me or I'd seen on your website that you've run yeah. – I guess several marathons prior to prior to getting injured. Well, yeah, it, that was my goal, but it took me twelve times to do it. And it what's interesting was the um, the fastest marathons I had were my first one when I was in my forties, and my penultimate one when I was in my uh, mid fifties. <laughs> so, uh, but but I, I actually got to a point where I got it down as far as I could to qualify because I thought I had the right combo of endurance and, and speed. And and I hired a coach, a running coach. So I said, I'm a coach. I know the value of it. And that was the missing link. He made one tweak to one of my training plans and that made the difference. And I beat the qualifying time by five minutes that year. And, but it was really because of the coach because he, he looked at what I was doing. So he's doing all the right things, but what about this? And it was a hard change, Yeah, <laughs> but it was, it was the key. And that's why I think working with the right, with the right advisor, whether it be what I do or what you do, honestly, is can be really, can really make the difference in many ways. And that's what it did for me. Yeah. No, no some, I, yeah. Some might say, "Well, you would, if you didn't, maybe you wouldn't have been injured." But that 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 wasn't him. That was me. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that's. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you shared that story. That's uh, that's that's fascinating. Um, we've covered a ton today. Um, the the thing I think I'll most take away from our conversation is the, is the idea of prototyping and testing and experimenting. But um, if there were from from your perspective and your experience, Joe, if there was one thing our listeners could take away from our call a bit today, what would you want that one thing to be? Really, your point on self-authoring, that look at where you are now and think about what's your story from here. Just because you're retiring, it doesn't mean it's the end. Matter of fact, it's not. It's the beginning of what's next. So really take that approach and, and think about what, what could that story be? And just like a writer, uh, writers look at alternative plots, alternative themes, alternative characters. Uh, what, is, what is it that you really want to do and, and embrace that self-authorship point? So that's what I'm taking away. That was a great point that you made. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. What's uh, what's the best way for people to reach out or to learn more about you if they if they want to learn more about your coaching services around retirement or uh, check out your podcast or anything like that? What's the best way for people to find you? 
Sure. The one stop is retirementwisdom.com, our website. We've got a bunch of things on there, but the podcast is the, the, the main uh, main focus. But we've got blog posts. We have a, a, a talented writer who works with us, freelance, uh, Beth Bichelle, who does a great job. So she writes a lot on retirement topics. And uh, we have a, a quiz on the non-financial side there as well. We also, uh, from time to time, we'll all behind this, we do have, also review uh, books on retirement. So people can get a quick look at uh, just some short summaries of books that we like on, on the non-financial side of retirement primarily. And, and retirementwisdom.com is the best way, but thanks for asking. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, we'll be sure to include a link to the website and the podcast and, and the blog and things like that in the show notes for this episode so people can, can track you down and, and learn more. So, um, Joe, thank you. This has been fun. I always enjoy speaking with you. Uh, this has been uh, absolutely no, no exception. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Russ. Great to be here. Appreciate it. Same here. Yeah. And uh, for everyone out there listening, thank you again. This has been uh, another episode of Women's Retirement Radio, and we look forward to catching up with you next time. It's Russ again. And before you go, I want to provide a brief disclosure. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of Wealthcare Capital Management.